We're going to Paul's greeting in every single one of his letters. He greets every church and every group that he writes to with grace and peace. A mentor of mine uh, always says this, and I love it. He always says, uh, peace to your house. Every time I talk to him on the phone, when I finish, he says, peace to your house. When he messages me or we're texting back and forth, he says, man, have a great week. Peace to your house. And I just, I've, I've been taken and I asked him about it and he said, hey, he said, every time for 30 plus years, every time I pull up to the front door of my home, I say, Lord, peace be to this home. So every time I pull out of my driveway, I say, Lord, let your peace be in my home. And every time I walk through the doors, I say, this is a home of peace. And he's a pastor of a great church. And he said, man, he said, I've spent 30 years in ministry and some have been great and some have been extremely difficult. But he said, every day through COVID, every day through challenges, every day through difficulties, when I cross the threshold of my home, I declare peace in my home. And he said, it is as if God has given a supernatural peace to my home. It is a place that I can go to of peace. It is a place I can go to of refuge. And that is what we want for every home in this building. We want God's grace and peace in every house. I'm stealing his greeting and I'm adding to it grace. And we're going to mirror the Apostle Paul and say grace and peace to you. What do we want in every single home? Grace and peace. Come on, I'm going to ask you, what do we want in every single home? What do we want in your home? What do we want your neighbors to have? What do we want your family to have? Grace and peace to every single home. Isn't this a timely place to jump in on, on grace and peace? We're about to enter into the holidays, and your Democrat uncle is coming, and you're that Republican, and you guys are, the last thing you're thinking about is grace and peace going to be in your house over Thanksgiving, right? You've already got your shirt planned and everything else to wear when they show up, but uh, uh, we want grace and peace in every home. Man, that sounds like an awesome holiday project. That sounds like a Brie X Katie collab, some sort of art piece that we can buy for Christmas, right? That's Anna's not here. That's Anna's Christmas gift. You, you guys figure that out. You guys collab on that. I want a grace and peace in this house, something to do with it, and I'll give it to Anna for Christmas, and she won't know, and we all planned it out together. It'll be really, really, really cool. Grace and peace. It actually comes from Aaron's initial blessing in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. This was a very common Jewish blessing. It says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you Peace. The beautiful thing about Paul's greeting is Paul takes this greeting, this welcome from Aaron, and he adds to it the fulfillment of Christ, which is no longer a Jewish greeting, but it is just a Christian greeting. And it encompasses the fulfillment of Christ, bringing all things under the reign of Christ. So Paul will speak this to Gentiles. He'll speak it to Jews. He'll speak it to Romans. He'll speak it to anyone and everyone. He always says grace and peace. I can already feel the resistance because you're out there and you're saying, yeah, grace and peace to every home, but you don't know about my home. You don't know who I live with. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what happens every day I walk through the doors. Let me walk you through. We're going to do a quick little study. 
a contextual study on every single greeting. And I want you to see how Paul uses it within the context of who he's communicating to. Are you ready? Okay, let's dive in. This was, we'll start in the book of Romans, to Christians struggling in their theology. The, Romans were, the Roman church was struggling deeply in their theology. It's probably one of the most rich theological books of the book of Romans. And he says, I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and called by his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you, if you're messed up theologically, if you don't know what you believe, if you're in here today and you're questioning what you believe or you're questioning the validity of Scripture or you're questioning some theological views that you have carried with you from childhood or from an experience or from someone who is messing with your mind and you're saying, I really don't know what I believe or where I stand, there is grace and there is peace for you and your house. Look at the Corinthians to a church struggling with division. We talked about Christmas, right? We talked about your Democrat uncle, right? Or maybe you being the Republican going to the Democrats' house. Maybe you're the problem, you know? We talked about this, this division that's coming, right, to a church that was divided. And I am talking viciously divided. He writes, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you, 2 Corinthians 1-2, almost the same thing for the second letter. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you, you're, you're falling off on me. You're dying out on me. we got a bunch more to go. If you're living in division, if your home is divided, if your kids are causing division, if you and your spouse are divided, if you and your parents are divided, if there is just division that exists in your household, there is grace and there is peace for you. Start to Galatians 1.3, to a church struggling with a Judaism and another gospel. They're struggling with legalism, with laws. They're mixing it with the gospel. He says, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you every time. Maybe you're struggling with a combination of things. Maybe you're struggling with perfectionism. Maybe you're struggling with legalism. Maybe you put so much pressure on yourself to be perfect, to get it all done, to get it all done the right way, and you're a servant of many, and you're not caring for yourself, and you just feel like you are perfectly exhausted and empty. There's grace and peace for you. How about to a church that needed to know their identity, the church in Ephesus? Man, they were confused. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know what was going on. They had no knowledge of God. They just had this zeal. Ephesians 1 verse 2, he says, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you... Again, maybe you're seeking your own identity right now. Maybe you're an empty nester for the first time in hopefully 18 years. Maybe it took the last one 21 to get out, right? But you're an empty nester now, and now you walk through the home, and you're like, man, I don't even remember who I am because I spent 21 years being everything for everybody else. And you're searching for an identity. You're trying to figure out who you are now. There is grace, and there is peace for you. How about to a church that Paul desperately loved? And he wanted them to experience joy. He wanted them to experience not just joy, but the joy he had in the Lord. He writes Philippians 1 verse 2. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you... Hey, I think you're getting this figured out. 
I think you're catching on. Maybe you need joy. Maybe you need hope. Maybe you need some new excitement and life in the Lord in your life. There's grace and there's peace for your home. How about to a church facing serious issues? They had issues across the board from Christology and who Christ was to sin within the church to all these kind of things wrapped up. He writes to the Colossian church in Colossians 1 verse 2. He says, we are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you Maybe you're in a home with issues. Maybe you're in a home with addiction. Maybe you're in a home that is just riddled with challenges. Maybe your family is facing incredible issues and incredible difficulty. What does Paul say? There is grace and there is peace to you. How about to a church faced with persecution and hardships? 1 Thessalonians 1.1. Paul writes, this letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. We're writing to the church in Thessalonica who was being viciously persecuted and falling on all kinds of hardships from starvation to facing death to facing persecution at every turn, nowhere to live. They were just a disaster. He said, to you who belong to God, don't ever forget that. You may be facing hardships, but you still belong to God. You may be facing difficulties, but you still belong to God. Your home may be hard. You still belong to God to God. This letter, he says, we are writing the church in Thessalonica to you who belong to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you every single time. May he give it to you. You're facing hardships. You're facing difficulties. You're facing challenges. Guess what? There is grace and there is peace for you. How about to a church struggling with false teaching? End times theology was a disaster. They were all mixed up. They were confused. False teachers had come in. They had begun manipulating the gospel for profit and gain. And what does he say? 2 Thessalonians 1 to his second letter to the church of Thessalonica. It says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you. Maybe you're in a theological battle in your home. Maybe you're married to somebody who doesn't believe like you do. Maybe your kids are not believing or following the faith like you do, and maybe you are just challenged in your home every day with this false ideology here, or this just theological disbelief here, or any of these things, guess what? There is still grace and peace to you. To a young pastor needing encouragement and insight, Paul writes the book of Timothy. It's a young guy entrusted with much, facing challenges, being rejected by the older, questioned by the younger. 1 Timothy 1 verse 2, he says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. May God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord, it comes a curveball, give you grace and peace. Don't you love that? 2 Timothy 1 2, it's almost identical. He says, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. Second letter. He says, may God the Father and our Lord and, our, and Christ Jesus our Lord give you. You got it. How about to Titus? Titus was a missionary that Paul sent to Crete. They were a church that was just confused. They were totally confused. They didn't know who they were. They didn't know what they believed. They didn't know why they were gathering. They were a total confused mess. And Paul writes to Titus 1 verse 4. He says to Titus, I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith that we share. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior give you. 
Maybe you're in a place that's confusing. I don't know, maybe college. <laughs> you're in a place that's confusing. There is a war of all kinds of worlds that collide on a weekly basis and you're just trying to figure out, I'm so confused because I want to worship Jesus and then half the people I worship Jesus with also want to party and go crazy and live the college life and now I'm just confused as to like, are we friends? Aren't we friends? Do I? Don't I? Where do I stand? What does my life look like? And oh, by the way, I got to do studies and I've got I've to get good grades or else my parents are going to throw me out and whatever else. I mean, it's like, well, I'm just confused right now. Guess what? There is grace and there is peace for you. There's grace and peace for you. What about to, oh, this is a good one. What about to a, a man, Paul is trying to restore Onesimus to the faith, and Philemon is really bitter and he's really burned because Onesimus stole from him, robbed the church, took off to another city. Paul takes Onesimus, he meets him in prison, he raises him up, and once he raises him up into a good Christian man, he says, I'm going to send you back to Philemon. And Onesimus says, don't, he'll kill me. And Paul says, don't worry, I'll write him a letter. And he writes Philemon a letter. And he says, may God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you. Maybe you're struggling with forgiving somebody. Maybe there's bitterness in your house. Maybe there's betrayal in your house. Maybe every time you walk through the doors, it's difficult to look at somebody who hurt you. It's difficult to be in the same room with somebody who betrayed you, but you have this heart to work it out, and you have this heart to make it right, and you have this heart to protect your home and rebuild your home. Guess what's available to your home? Grace, Grace and peace. Every single time. What is the one common thing Paul greeted a number of circumstances with? What is the one common thing? Come on! Every single time, whether it's theological disaster, whether it's confusion, whether it's identity, whether it's, it's divisions, whether it's bitterness, whether it's whatever it is, every single time he greets them with grace and peace. I don't know the circumstances of your home, but I know who God is. And I know what he abundantly supplies to those who love him. And I know what Paul is saying every single time. He's saying grace and peace to you. It's a mess right now. Grace and peace to you. You're hurting right now. Grace and peace to you. You're bitter right now. Grace and peace to you. You're confused right now. Grace and peace to you. You don't know who you are right now. Grace and peace to you. The one thing I know is that grace and peace are available to you. Don't know the circumstances, but I know it's available. You know, you know what's a, a really beautiful caveat to all of this? is not only is grace and peace available to every situation, but grace and peace can also come from places that are unlikely. Paul wrote four of those letters in prison. Let's see, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, he wrote from prison. This is a man who is locked up, he's facing death, he's writing a book on the supremacy of Christ, and he says, grace and peace to you. He's writing a book on identity for the church, and he's saying, grace and peace to you. He's writing a book on joy, and he's locked up in prison, and he's saying, grace and peace to you. He's writing a book on forgiveness and restoration while he's locked in prison, and he's saying, grace and peace to you. So powerful. We have to understand something. When uh, it, it, this is, let me let me illustrate it for you. Do you remember a time 
uh, when phones were actually phones, like they weren't computers, you know? Like they were actual, let, let me just refresh some memories in here. Some of you are going to have no clue what I'm talking about, right? But there, there used to be a time where phones like hung on a wall, right? Or my grandma had one that sat on a table. You've seen one before. You in an antique shop in town? That's where you saw it, right? I know that's where you saw it. Hey, my grandma had one that sat and it, and it had, the, you know, had the actual phone and it had the circle that you turn with the numbers, right? And you had to touch that little metal dial every time or it didn't register the number and you had to go back, right? And click, click and restart it and do it again. We had one that hung on the wall and it had those long spiral, you know, cables. And, like, you, you're like, it's like Mission Impossible when you're talking and you're trying to like dodge the cable and get underneath and you're doing stuff while you're talking on the phone like that was when phones were actually phones my kids would look at me sideways if I told them that's what a phone was my son five looks at me is that iPhone 11 or 10 what you back up on phone shaming me get out of here I got an upgrade in six months leave me alone Right? They have no clue when phones. Isn't that a tragedy? When you actually weren't connected all the time, imagine that. When you could like actually, when you left your home, you didn't carry a phone. <gasps> try that. Try it. You want to see how bad the addiction is in your life? Try and leave your house to go to the grocery store and back without your phone. You, you will drive yourself crazy. You'll, you will think you'll hear it. It's not even on you. It's like, that's what this stupid watch does to me. Like, I'm like, oh, man, someone's banging me. I don't even have the watch on my wrist. I'm like, no, I heard it. I felt it. No, it's not even, not even there, right? But, I mean, it's, it's crazy what is happening. There was a time when communication was highly valuable. I'm talking incredibly valuable. I remember a time back when, like, phones were phones. And you know, you know what else I remember? Let me think. 459-4150-62. You know what that was? Our local channels. That was like when TV only had local channels, right? That was like when you had those, those tube TVs and you had to bunny ear them and you had to be on time for a show. You couldn't record it and go back and watch it four days later, right? I mean, it's just, it's crazy what has happened. But there was a time when communication was valuable. I remember a time my dad's, or my buddy's dad uh, was a, he was an impressionist and he was a brilliant impressionist. He could make all these impressions and they had just gotten a, a message machine where you, you, know, you left the voicemail on a machine that was connected to the phone sitting right next to it and we would call his house and he would do these different impressions on the message machine and it was so cool I remember we used to call it was it was Britain Britain's dad Jeff Young we used to call him and they would pick up the phone and be like hey no don't answer we just want to hear the message machine and so it would pick up I still remember one you want me to give you one it was Yogi the Bear it would ring and ring and ring and they'd let it ring and then he'd pick up and he'd say hey boo boo don't touch that thingamajig and he'd say, but Yogi, it's a telephone, and it's ringing, and you're supposed to answer it. And he'd say, boo-boo, get that picnic basket. Let's get out of here before we get caught. And I mean, it was great. That's all we called him for. Like, hey, don't pick up. I want my uncle to hear. And you didn't have speakerphones, so you both are like sitting there next to the phone, like all trying to listen to it together. The greeting meant something. In fact, the greeting was the most important thing. When we talk about letters sent 
We have to wrap our minds around this. Communication was rare if it was not like this, right? There was no text messaging. There was no ease of a phone call or anything like that. And the greeting to a letter, letters were authority in nature. How did the king speak to the people? Through a letter. How did a king speak to neighboring kingdoms? Through a letter, through a courier. This is a major, major piece of communication. This is not a, hey, bro. This is not, hey girl, this is, this is my greeting, right? Just, hey, what's up? And now I'll get to the meat. This is, when, when they would write a letter to communicate, the first part is you would get the introduction. And they would have this ceremonial gathering, right? So let's all pretend like we're gathered for a letter, okay? We've all gathered around, and hey, I received a letter. Four people are excited. You guys are so 2021, it makes me sick. This is a big deal. We just got a letter. Hey, I just got a letter. All right. Now we, now we unroll it. And shh, here's who it's from. Wow. It says, let me find a good one. This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. What? What does he want? We are writing to the church in Thessalonica. That's us. To you who belong to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you Hey, you did it. These are a big deal. This is a really big deal. When Caesar would send a letter, he would say, it is I, Caesar, emperor of Rome. Authority over all, millions of people under me, conquered 17 cities, have an army of 250,000. Here is what you are to do, like the greeting set the precedence, right? And yet you have Paul, and Paul is saying, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ, and I've got one thing for you, grace and peace. Grace and peace was not a signature, it was a, sum it was a summary of the gospel, he is saying, hey, he's not just giving us this little piece every single time. He's summarizing the gospel. Let me give you a, a, little, a little overview of the two parts. Then we're talking about grace today, and we're going to do it in 10 minutes. Grace, number one. When Paul intros with grace, he is saying God's saving, empowering gift to us through Christ. He's saying, so may you have God's saving, empowering gift to you. And now I cannot wait for next week. I wanted to preach it this week, but I had to save it because, you know, it goes in order, grace and peace. Uh, peace, the Greek translation is the Hebrew shalom. We totally miss peace when we talk. We talk when we say, let's have peace, we're like, hey, let's all get along, right? That's, that's what peace is. No, no, no. This peace that is shalom, it meant peace to the Jews that was a complete all-encompassing wholeness of everything in its permanence being right with God. That was the peace that they talked about. The shalom, peace of God, as Paul is saying, may the empowering, saving grace of God be with you, and may the shalom of God be with you, so that everything would be complete and whole and fully satisfied in the goodness and preeminence of God. Listen to me. The shalom, peace of God was lost in the garden. It was restored spiritually in Jesus, and physically it will be restored at the coming of Christ. 
That's the peace. We're, we're going to talk about that next week. Let's talk about grace. Three things with grace that we have to understand, and we'll define it scripture to interpret scripture. We'll define it by the Apostle Paul himself, okay? Number one thing we have to know about grace. If we're going to live this out, and we're going to have this in our home, and we're going to embody this in a greeting, and we're going to say grace and peace to your house every time we see each other, we've got to know what we're talking about. Number one, grace is a gift given by God. Paul could not have emphasized that more in his letters. Grace has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with work. You can't brag about it. Grace is a gift from God. I'll tell you why that's important in a second. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. That is a really, really good thing. You know, you know how we could translate that in 2021? God, God saved you by his grace, and you can't screw this up. God saved you by, thank you, one glory. God saved you by his grace, and no matter how, try, how much you try, you can't say, you can't screw this up, because he has saved you by his grace. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Romans 3, 22-24. It says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. You who don't feel like you belong in this place today, there is grace and peace for you. There is salvation for you by the grace of God. 23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. It is a free gift. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Romans 4, 15 through 16. It says, for the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. What does Jesus do? Fulfills the law. Fulfills the law. Well, so it means we don't have to live under this, which means there it's, it's not impossible for us to break the law. We don't have a law. We have grace in Jesus. So the promise is received by faith. It is, a, it is given as a, circle it, free gift. It's 100% free. It's given to you. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have a faith like Abraham's. In other words, he just set them so free theologically. He said, it's not about how good you are. It's not about how bad you are. It's not about how funny you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how hard you work. It's not about how many times you fail. It's not about any of those things. It is a free gift that saves you when you receive it. It's 100% free, and it's given to you for your salvation. He said, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. We had this... Um, my wife, man, she's a hustler. She is a hustler. I'm, I'm the pushover. She'll hustle. She will hustle for a nickel. There's no doubt about it. And we had this car in the garage that the kids had, and they had run the wheels off of it. I'm talking, you know those old battery cars that you drive all over the place? I mean, you couldn't even tell what it was anymore. The colors, the paints, the stickers were all tore off of it. The battery would barely go for five more minutes. I mean, last five minutes you have to recharge it. They just, they ran it into the ground. And I came in one day and I said, you know what? We're getting rid of that car in the garage. And Anna said, I'm going to put that on Marketplace and make some money. I was like, honey, that thing's junk. She said, it don't matter. Someone give 20, 30 bucks for it. I said, no, 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 no. We're giving it away. And she said, why? And I said, because if we give it away, we don't have to take it back. 
If it's a gift, here you go. We don't have to. Look, if I charge somebody for it, God forbid someone in the church buys it. Then they message me back and they're like, hey, uh, this thing you sold me, it's got no battery. Now we have to do it. I'm the pastor. Like, I can't be like, that was you, not my fault. Block you. No, like, we got to deal with it now, right? We got a problem. But if we give it away, we don't have to have it back. It is a gift. The difference in a gift and selling something is transaction. What Paul is saying is God is not a transactional God. He's not trying to charge you for grace. He's trying to give you grace and he's giving it to you so you can be right with him and he doesn't want it back. He just wants to give you more. He just wants to give you more because it's a sacrificial gift. The first thing we have to understand is grace is a gift. And that's a good thing because grace being a gift means you can't screw it up. Number two, grace received saves me. So simple but so true. Grace received, when I receive this grace, God gives us this grace through Jesus Christ, sacrifice of Christ on a cross for our sins so we can live like Christ. We receive this, we are saved. Ephesians 2, 8, again, Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. Titus 2, 11 says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Romans 5, 1 through 2, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's so good. That's another grace and peace verse. We have peace with our Lord Jesus Christ because we've been justified by faith through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. When he talks about standing, he is talking about totally being in a different place. So he's not saying, it's a, oh, I'll just step into grace and I stepped out of grace. He's saying when you step into grace, you're in a new place. You're in the place of grace. You are living in a new realm. So he says, in this grace that we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Paul says, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us. Through Jesus Christ our Savior, verse 7, because of His grace. He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. It's because of grace. Grace received saves me because when I receive the grace of God, I'm receiving the sacrifice of Christ that was given on behalf of me to be the propitiation for my sins, to cleanse me, forgive me, and make me right with God, or else I would have no business being before a holy God. Why can I stand before a holy God? Because grace has cleansed me and saved me. During the Civil War, it was actually legal for people to pay for somebody to stand in their place to go on behalf of them if they got drafted. So there was this man, I was reading this crazy story, who paid for somebody to go in his place when he got drafted. And that person went off to war, and that person got killed during war. And then they had a second draft. And on the second draft notice, this guy got drafted again. So he took that legal document and that death certificate of the person that went in his place and he went to the draft board and he presented it to him and he said, you can't draft me again because I've already gone and died at war. And you know what they did? They let him go. Why? Because somebody died in his 
place. That's exactly what we talk about with grace. When we receive grace, we are receiving a sacrifice that died in our place. Someone who gave their life in our place so that we can live free from the law, free from sin, and empowered to be all that God has called us to be. That's the last one. We'll finish here. Grace empowers transformation. So grace is a gift. Grace received saves. And grace empowers transformation. This is important because grace is not just fire insurance. Grace is not, I, I've ha, I have changed the way I share the gospel with my kids. Grace is not, I receive grace so I don't go to hell someday. I, talking to my son, I said, what does it mean to receive Jesus? And he said, we go to heaven. I said, what else? He said, well, I mean, he started worming on me, you know. I was like, no, so we can live like Jesus right now. Why do we receive Jesus so we can live like Jesus right now? Heaven's not the goal right now. Heaven's the result from making a decision to follow Jesus. The goal right now is salt and light. The goal right now is the gospel, the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's our goal. Matthew 5, read it. That's the goal. The goal is not, oh, I'm going to be in heaven one day. The goal is right now. That's what the gospel is. I'll skip Romans 6, 1 through 4. Let's jump into grace empowering transformation. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. What is all that you need? 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 All you need is grace. It's all you need is grace. A grace that is a gift, a grace that saves, and a grace that empowers you. He says, all you need is my grace. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. How do we get to that power? All you need is grace. It's a power that energizes and, and lives within you to empower you to be more like him. Romans 6, 14. Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You are living in freedom because of the power of grace. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I love how Paul puts this. He says, but whatever I am now, <laughs> I love that. Whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I work harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Paul's saying, you know how I planted so many churches? You know how I endured prison? You know how I came back from lashes and almost died? You know how I survived a shipwreck? I was working hard, but it was God's grace. Only by the grace of God, right? How did you do that? Only by the grace of God. And then we'll go back to Timothy's greeting, 2 Timothy 2.1. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. There is an empowerment when it comes to grace. Something that empowers you beyond where you are so that you can get to where you need to be. Uh, the other day, um, it was, it was I, I don't know, I guess I never drive at night or something, but I left the light on inside of my truck, and by the time I got home, uh, my, my, I, my truck battery died, okay? That's what I'm trying to communicate to you right now. <laughs> my truck battery died, and uh, the next morning, I went out, and I pressed the button to start my truck, and it was like, 
and it fired up and it started, but just barely. So I got to where I was going for a meeting. I, I put, it was like three minutes from my house, pulled into the coffee shop, sat down, had a meeting, walked back out, pressed the button. Not this time. You know, my truck died. It's completely dead at a coffee shop. Most embarrassing moment of my life. I had to call my sister to rescue me. Live that one down, right? Ooh, big, tough older brother drives a truck. I'm grabbing my little Jeep over here to help jump you. And I was like, hey, I need your help. She came, showed up, and it was so funny. We, I, I'm, I'm a little skittish around jumper cables. I did that one time where you connect the wrong ones to the wrong ones and set them on fire. Yeah, I had that. <laughs> it really happened to me. It was like 16, first time. <laughs> just caught fire. So I was, I was, I put the cables on there, got it all set up, got in my truck. It was amazing. Press the button and just vroom, fires right back up. Right. And then I was like, okay, now I've got to let it keep going. So I let the, let the battery keep going. And I drove it for a while and left the truck on the whole time. And now guess what happened? It started to get more juice started to work again, right? It started to gather a little more juice, and then all of a sudden I could start it on its own again, and I could start it on its own again. It needed that jump, and that jump allowed it to get things going to where it needed to be so that I could run on my own. When we talk about grace empowering us, we're saying grace is that jolt to my spirit that I need to thrust me forward so that I can do all that God's called me to do, and I can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But when you need that jolt... That's grace. Grace is the jump that gets you going and gets you where you need to be. When we declare grace and peace to your house for the grace part, we are saying, man, may the gift of grace that saves you and empower you flood your home. 